Hi, in today's topic, we are going to talk about the culture in El Paso during World War II. I'm Kevin Bielba, and, we will, and I will be talking about the education in World War II. I'm Destiny Zapata, and I'll be talking about the sports. Hi, I'm Clarissa Pantoja, and I'll be talking about the traditions. Hi, I'm Nikki, and I'll be talking about the immigration and the people who came over to El Paso during World War II. So, I'm going to first talk about segregation, because that was one of the most interesting and plentiful information that I could find. And back then, back in the 1940s, it, it's kind of funny, because black people and Mexican people were both like equally segregated against. It was actually most towns in Texas, and probably including El Paso, uh, had half the city to white people, and black people and Mexican people both got a quarter of the city. Um, there was black school children were most likely to miss school because black teachers received less pay, and black schools were often restricted to single classrooms and buildings. So you know, like those movies where like there's just one classroom in a building what comes to my mind is the the movie holes so that's probably like around the same time period and one of the main reasons that Mexicans were segregated against was because they were considered to be dirty by the white population um, black schools and white schools were both supposed to have um, equal funding for their schools, but then uh, they were supposed to have equal funding because of a law that was named separate but equal. So like they, the law basically stated that they would have the same funding but they didn't necessarily have to use it for the same reasons. But even then the law didn't really work. Black schools would normally get hand-me-downs for everything. Also like they had different schools. Did yeah. you know that there were 13,000 black people in El Paso? No, actually. <laughs> no, I didn't know. <laughs> um, the, the separate but equal law that I was talking about, it actually lasted all, all the way until the 1950. That's like when it got removed. Um, another thing was that if black or uh, Mexican people went into the white area, uh, like barbershops, restaurants, funeral homes, churches, uh, theaters, or other public places, they weren't allowed to or supposed to like talk to each other. Yeah, so they, they couldn't even talk to each other. But they were allowed in the same place? Like, it, it's like the black people and Mexican people weren't supposed to be there. <laughs> All right, o over over to some education. Um, UTEP was founded uh, March 1913, right? Okay. UTEP was actually focused on mining. It started as a school of miners and metallurgy. That's probably why they're called the miners. Uh, the school opened officially a year after it was founded. And it didn't actually get named UTEP until 1967. It went through like four different name changes. Well, the first one was the Texas Western College. Yeah. In 1940. You got the second one? It got named, renamed a few times. I did. 
Let me find it. UTEP is also the second oldest school system. Uh, <laughs> Alright. On to school life. Uh, interestingly enough, the school was moved. U, the YouTube, uh, UTEP, yes. U, UTEP was moved to where it is now because there was a fire in the old building that like destroyed it. Where was it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you can't answer any more questions. <laughs> it, it was like, I think it was like near the mountain. Oh, with our star. I think it was actually supposed to be like near a mine, but I I can't confirm that. Um, back to a little bit of segregation, but like still relating to education. Um, it was very important for Black people to try to achieve medical education because Black children death rates were ten times that of white children, and the main reason that their death rates were so high was because um, black children could only be treated by their own. So like, if if you were black, you had to have a black doctor. Although segregation made it so that getting medical training as a black person was really hard. They had to get in different places for white people. What was that? Like the studying from different places from white. Yeah, most most schools were segregated as well. Um, another thing that I found interesting was that schools were really strict. On what? They they had curfews and like clothing and uniforms and all that. Um, even for college, uh, the college curfew was uh, 10, uh, 10 p.m. I usually don't go to bed until 11. I usually can't sleep until 12, so 10 p.m. would be awful. Some of the major ways that students got to know each other was actually through religious clubs. And the interesting about that was that they allowed atheists people to join the religious clubs. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, most schools were really sexist as well. You could probably fill in those blanks. Uh, nice colleges would actually... There was actually a bunch of colleges that would serve you like three meals a day. Because they wanted you to be like on campus and like they were willing to give you three meals. All right, that's it. <laughs> that was super awesome, guys. Okay, well, I'm gonna talk about the sports that happened in UTEP. And in the sports that they had in UTEP were most basketball, football. They had varsity tennis and track. And then um, UTEP's first um, basketball game, they played against Texas Tech and they won 43 to 35, and then they played them another time, and then it was 21 to 37, so they lost the second time. And then they dressed very differently, like they do now. Like, for example, in softball, the girls would wear skirts instead of 
softball pants, which is very different because, yeah, like, why would you wear a skirt when you're running? <laughs> also, I also found a website where it shows, like, all the, um, the yearbooks. And then I found the yearbook of 1939. That was when World War II was starting. And it shows, like, all the pictures that they have and all the, the social organizations that they had. And they had um, these, like, beauty pageants. And they were considered sports back then, too. Like, they would have pictures of them, like, with their awards. And that's basically it. <laughs> oh guys, okay. Um I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who came over to El Paso during the nineteen forties, during nineteen thirty-nine and there was a lot of different people who came. There were of course the Hispanics who came, the Mexicans and there was, there's, was a lot more. And then there were also the black people. Like I said, there were 13,000. There were 3,315 3, Asians and 1,484 Indians. And so El Paso had a very, very wide ethnicity. I don't know how to understand it range yeah there you go <laughs> during the war the immigration and naturalist servers oversaw the campaign to naturalize m members of the u.s armed forces stateside and soldiers who wished to be naturalized helped soldiers complete their quiet required petition and organized swearing ceremonies so then instead of just letting their color join they let all colors join and the second war powers act was in 1942 also authorized the overseas naturalists in the nation's histories and this eliminated the need for soldiers stationed overseas to swear the oaths in open courts for the first time, allowing administrative officials to perform naturalists. Natural what? Naturalizations. There you go. Alrighty. <laughs> okay, so for the traditions, um, there is many. So as we know, the culture of El Paso is heavily influenced by American and Mexican cultures. So, one, there's a lot of dancing in the streets and in the square dancing. There was square dancing in downtown. So they would have carnivals and um, they would have competition for square dancing. So they would do, they would have their own footwork. And so also, do you know what that means by their own footwork? Yeah, like the um, nowadays it's the one, two, three, the steps, like step by step. But now everyone, they all did it their own way. If that makes sense. Oh, like there wasn't just like one dance. Mm -mm. I mean, the, so they, they would, were all unique. Yeah, they would all compete for different, and they would all compete for awards. But I'm not sure what kind of awards. But I know they competed for awards. 
Second, there is, um, as we know, we have the Franklin Mountain Star, and it's big. It was made in 1940, so during the time it ended. 1940. Yes, and it ended. So we know it's a beautiful star, and the original meaning was it was made for the soldiers for at, of Fort Bliss, and they would only light it during Christmas during that time and so now it is always lit and they <laughs> um so it's always lit and um it's only about 50 feet wide and as we know the first one was blew away from the first the star flew off the mountain <laughs> yes it did what it was the first <laughs> trial the first trial. How many stars were there? Just two? Yeah. And then okay. the second one they made it with concrete and it stayed. So it, the improved, improvements weren't made until 1946. And so now the, it was it was built in 1940 by the electric company. Hi, I'm Nikki and today I'm going to be talking about World War II in El Paso and how the immigration programs and what they were doing over here and people who came over. Okay, so first we're going to talk about the Bracero program and what it was and how it became a thing during World War II. And I have an APC student here who knows a lot of information on it, so she's going to help me and we will ask questions along the way. So pretty much at the time... Um Mexico started out as neutral, as did the United States, but once Pearl Harbor was bombed, um, that kind of changed everything. So all of a sudden, the U.S. was going in and um, declared war on the Axis powers, and so Mexico followed suit and did the same. So previously, Mexico had said that they wouldn't send workers um, to the United States because a lot of the people there were very um, discriminatory towards them. But once they went to war against the Axis powers, they actually um, changed their mind and created the Bracero program to send uh, Mexican agricultural workers to the United States um, legally. So there were some terms, I guess you could say, that were mentioned. So Mexican workers wouldn't serve in the U.S. military um, they wouldn't be subject to discrimination um, on or off work. They would be guaranteed transportation, um, decent living conditions, and payment for their work in the United States in accordance with Mexican labor laws. And um, Mexican workers weren't to be used to replace American workers just because they would take lower wages. So, but did any of those things fall into place when they came over? No, actually a lot of these people were discriminated against both on and off work. They often had to pay for their own tools, their own transportation, their own living um, when they actually weren't supposed to. Um, and then also they would take in Mexican workers um, to replace like American workers because of course they're um, minimum wage. Yeah, their minimum wage is lower than it was here, so they would take in those workers. So, no, actually, the United States didn't follow any of the 
Yeah, um, I also know that I didn't follow that Mexicans weren't supposed to serve in the military war because my topic is the military war and they did serve in it. They actually gave the Mexicans a lot of the bad places to go when instead of sending the Americans so they can live on, they were like, oh, let's just send these lower wage people that we don't care about as much to go to these wars and fight them and die. Right, so that def definitely did happen a lot. Um, overall, their conditions, once they came to the U.S., overall, it was um, very poor. Um, <clears throat> so, do you know how they legally documented them and then transported them? Did they, like, have to go through a process? So, actually, yes, they would, um, they would go through documentation if they were to do it legally. Um, they would go through some documentation to record who they were, who was sending them over, um, what they would be doing for how long they would be there in the U.S. But actually, um, this was meant to guarantee their rights in the United States because they were recorded, they know exactly who's there. But to get away from giving people rights, the United States would just open up the borders, right, and just let people in um, illegally, right? Um, that way they wouldn't have to give them certain rights, like a decent um, pay, right? They wouldn't need to keep them away from the military. They would do all these kinds of horrible things because they were undocumented, so they didn't have their rights. Okay. Anything else you have to talk about? Um, I guess also... A lot of the undoc a lot of this um, bad stuff that was going on in this region was also caused also because um, they were transferring over like in the government they were transferring over power over these people like within the U.S. government to um, it was called the War Food Administration Office of Labor, which actually instead of Having focus on people's rights, it was more focused on the economic benefits that these people would bring. So this whole Bracero program was transferred over to them, and they, of course, didn't really care about the rights. Um, so living conditions, legal, it seemed legal at the time to do these horrible things. Um, I guess also a big thing to mention, just because we are here in Texas, was that there was... A really big um, idea of racism here, even yes. though Mexicans are considered white, mm -hmm. um, their race is white, but because they have a different ethnicity, a lot of Texans were um, very racist against Mexicans, they treated them as lesser, um, they would abuse their power over them as workers, they would force them to work longer um, with little to no pay, which was overall went strongly against the Rosetto program. And even though the United States was aware of what was going on, um, pretty much not much was done. They did eventually come when Mexico did bring up that these instances were happening. Um, they did say that the U.S. was supposed to send like undocumented um, immigrants, I guess, over, over back to Mexico. But because they, I guess they weren't... Um, there legally, there was no proof 
that they would that people would come across them so they couldn't um, legally enforce that very well I don't want to talk okay <laughs> so back to the military in El Paso while these people were coming over Yes, they said that they weren't supposed to be in the military, serve in the military. But as I did research, there was a bunch of people who served in the military. And most of the people were going to go to the Bracero program. And, <laughs> and so they had really hard work that they did. They worked hard because the generals were like, oh, we need some of these Mexicans to come over so my guys won't get killed, but these people can get killed. We need to see how dangerous this is. So they put the Mexicans in front of every little thing, of everything, so that Americans wouldn't get killed. They went on this one... They went on this one um, quest to the Rapido River, and Sergeant Manuel Rivera from El Paso. He is from El Paso. He said while he when he was describing the carnage of the Rapido River, he said, "If you didn't get wounded, if you didn't get killed, you weren't. If you weren't captured, then you weren't at that river." That is how dangerous their missions were because they didn't care if they died. They didn't care if they got wounded. It wasn't a big deal to America. It wasn't a big deal to us because they weren't our kind. They were from Mexico. We didn't care as much. And it goes through list Raymond Gutierrez. How the heck do you pronounce this now? Gutierrez? Yes, Grutatis. Okay, anyways, who who, <laughs> <laughs> who was also in Company E. Company E was a big thing during this time, as such as the Bracero program. In conclusion, after Pearl Harbor was bombed, America went to war, causing Mexico to go to war against the Axis powers. To support the Allied powers, Mexico offered to send agricultural workers to the United States, this creating the Bracero program. There were set terms to protect the rights of the agricultural workers that the United States didn't follow. They were forced to work for long hours with little pay. Also, they were forced to go to the military and risk their lives and save Americans' lives behind the scenes. And this concludes the immigration to El Paso during World War II. And off this topic, that is all I have for you, and that concludes this.